Hey everyone, welcome to season two of Reversing Climate Change. We are doing that podcast thing now and launching a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash Nori Podcasts. There are various tiers with different types of goodies available. Do you want to receive a special newsletter digest of what Nori Knots are reading that week? Be a part of a Nori book club? Get special access to Nori events? Go take a look at patreon.com slash Nori Podcast for what we're offering. And in that spirit of being lean in that startup kind of way that, you know, we like to do, this list of goodies is subject to change, and we'd very much like your feedback. Is there something that you'd really like to see, but it isn't listed here? Honest feedback does a lot to help us shape what we offer to you. You can send an email to podcast.nori.com or fill out our podcast survey anonymously in our newsletter, which you can find at nori.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much for listening to another season of Reversing Climate Change. Hello and welcome to the Reversing Climate Change podcast. I'm Ross Kenyon. Today I have with me Rebecca Carlson, Agriculture Supply Lead at Nori. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, Ross. So happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. You said before we started that you've been having a one-sided conversation with me, meaning that you've been listening to the podcast in preparation for this. This was not a condition of your employment. This is just because you enjoyed it, I hope. (laughs) No, actually, I had to sign it off in blood that I would listen to it every week. Else to be out. <laughs> wow. No, yes, I love listening to the show. Cool. We wanted to have you on for a whole bunch of reasons, including some that came up after we wanted to do this. So good timing all around. We have announced that we are hiring for a few roles that would be working with you. So people who are supply account managers. You will be led by Rebecca, who has been through that process and has recently been elevated somewhat to oversee that growth. Is that how you see it, Rebecca? Yeah, basically. I went through the first rodeo of supply account management and now can kind of help guide others. So that's what I'm planning on doing. I'm like really looking forward to it as well. Us too. It's it's nice to grow in this way. So yeah, we want to talk about what it's like on the supply side of Nori's marketplace, talk about these roles that we're hiring for. Hopefully someone out there listening is either a good fit for this position or knows people who are. We will see. Also, Rebecca, you've had an interesting way of getting here. And I don't think we've done a podcast episode on agronomy uh, or something nearly so focused on agronomy. So I want to talk about what exactly that is. Blah, blah, blah. Stuff we will get to. But we should probably start at the beginning. How did you end up at Nori? What what led to you being hired here? Well, I was born in South Dakota. Okay, skip, then... skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. No, so my background is like seemingly random, but really fit for this Nori position. My background, like I did my undergrad in biochemistry. So like really leaning into the science side. I ended up walking fields as a crop consultant in Nebraska, in central Nebraska, where my extended family lives, and just like fell in love mostly with with that rhythm of life. And my family's been farming there for like five generations and has always had an eye on sustainability and just being a good steward of the land. And I just, that is such an energizing thing to me, but I really wanted to go back to school for like, I love science, I love agriculture, I love walking fields, yada, yada which led me to my master's degree actually at the University of Minnesota, where I did a lot of research in like sustainability and perennial agriculture, perennial cover crops, and worked with a program called Forever Green. And the Forever Green initiative is basically how do we make changes on a landscape scale to like have the ground covered at all times and working with farmers and not just with ideas. So that 
led me there, got my master's in 2018, and then jumped over to Boston and worked at MIT at a controlled environment lab, which was a little rodeo of its own sorts, but I really missed like working with soil and beyond a controlled environment agriculture. But in that process, I learned a lot about software and just this like this dynamic team of like, how do you get people who don't normally think about agriculture, like, you know, those East Coast engineers, architects, yada, yada, into a space that really brings innovation with a farmer first. And I took that integration mindset and then found Nori and got, was able to get back to the fields, really. Not yet because COVID, but <laughs> working with people who are in the fields. <laughs> yeah, I think this in- introduction happened. Christoph was believe in Minnesota and had randomly met some people on a farm and we're like, oh, you need to meet Rebecca. And uh, is, is this something like that? Is that how it happened? It's actually that. It's totally that. It's, he was chopping wood with one of my old lab mates, random. Mm-hmm. And then my friend Dan was like, hey, Rebecca, I think I'm going to give your info for this job with Nori, which seems right up your alley. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, please. And Bada bing, bada boom. Here we are. Bada bing, bada boom, yada, yada. <laughs> yeah. We got a whole a whole lexicon here we're, we're adding to. And then also, were you telling me that you originally had wanted to be a doctor too? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, like, when you're 18, you're like, I don't know. I want to be a doctor. I like science. I love helping people. And I love, at that time, it was kind of like, what's a profession where I can touch so many different types of people and so many different like facets of life. And I was like, the only thing I thought at that point was like, oh, doctor, like you will see every type of person. And then it's really cool because like I was thinking about this in grad school. Like, That's also agriculture. Like everybody eats, everybody, you know, deals with agriculture in some way. And just like it all comes from the ground, who grows it, how it's grown, how it's harvested, how it's eaten. It's all just so fascinating to me. So it, it still strikes that like helping a lot of people be one type of profession. Hmm, yeah, I could see that connection. That makes sense to me. Well, you've teased it a little bit. What exactly is agronomy? And mm-hmm. um, what does that discipline mean in the broadest sense? In the broadest sense, it means you're in a field and cows are like on the other side of the field and you're trying to install a moisture probe <laughs> to get the data. No, agronomy is just like the study of, of agriculture and the study of like soil science and just like kind of breaking it down to it's the science of it. Why, how moisture affects things, how disease pressures affects things. And in like, you know, the practical sense of like agronomy, it's taking those tidbits of information and helping guide farmers' decisions around them. Yeah, when I think about it, it has a very instrumental meaning. It's mostly in guiding farmers and for what I often hear as farm level decisions. So that's right. It's it's actually about making practical decisions with for farmers, some combination. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. So uh, how exactly would that work? What would you do with a farmer? I imagine at this point they were clients of yours. Yeah. So I worked with like an independent crop consultant in Nebraska and it was such a blast. First of all, like you wake up quite early and we worked with farmers in the area. So from the counties around, you know, where my extended family's farms are and you wake up early, early, early 
And my boss is a former Marine. And so therefore we were like all former Marines in the work ethic sense <laughs> and just hit up like 30 fields a day and walk the fields. And I mean, different times of seasons apply different pressures, like, you know, stand counts of corn, any like early season weed pressures, what kind of herbicide to apply, those kind of things. And then moving forward, like pest pressures and how did pollination go? And then the dry down the harvest and what moisture do you apply? Because I was working in a very heavily irrigated area. So taking moisture, like soil moisture samples was very key into plant growth. So guiding farmers on that decision, on those decisions as well. Hmm. What kind of farmer would hire you for something like that? Because I think if you're an outsider to agriculture, you might think that farmers already possess a lot of that knowledge or ability to acquire it, but maybe that's not the case. How does that work? How does someone decide they need an agronomist? That's a great question. Well, as farms have scaled larger and larger, it's just like there's so many fields to cover. So you might have, you know, like 800 acres, but maybe only part of your field has glosses wilt and you have to keep an eye on that. Um, and a lot of times farmers really know like what's going on in their fields, but it's good to have the extra pair of eyes that's really trained to know the pressures and like at what point to apply like fungicide or apply herbicide that will just like help guide the decisions. Because with farming, there's just like so, so much. So we're just kind of adding to the team of the process. And so how does like a farmer get that? Uh, on like, I don't know, word of mouth is how I was working. And I mean, I knew like half of the, the guys I worked with, I've known since I was a, a child. Just like in a small area, small town, if you do good work, good work spreads. But I mean, they hired my boss and I worked with my boss. Hmm. And you had to learn how to say Hua a lot. <laughs> with the Marines, they didn't go Hua. Oh yeah, bro. Well, I don't know. I was like, Oofta. <laughs> Oofta? Yeah, that was my version. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a Midwestern grunt when something bad happens. Is that... Yeah, I was in the sweet capital of Nebraska, so you throw in all that Scandinavian verbiage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the sweet capital of Nebraska. All right, what what a life you must have lived. That sounds <laughs> sounds interesting. It's fun. It's fun. Okay, well, that makes sense. And you have a background with software too. And we're going to get into mm-hmm. how these various pieces all lead up to something that makes sense for Nori. So what was your software experience like? Ad hoc, I would say. So in grad school, I did a lot of like crop modeling. So that's its own special brand of software. So really getting familiar with kind of those interfaces and, and really how like coding works along with doing some stats in R. But that translated really well to when I was at MIT and some of like, as they were programming recipes to how a controlled environment work, I was so curious and always asking our software guys like to teach me and how I could do it on my own. So it wasn't this like great formal training, but enough to know the ins and outs and like the scope of work that's behind uh, some issues. So Rebecca, you, you have software experience here, clearly have a lot of experience working with farmers. Nori sees this and says, hey, this is exactly the kind of person we want to be in business with. And then we hire you. And I imagine this process has evolved as time has gone on and we can work through this evolution of of how Nori works with farmers and how we're doing software development. But what was it like starting here? What was the beginning of applying your skills to the Nori company interface, et cetera? Hmm. 
So when I first started at Nori, it was like, it was just like a lot of listening of like both to what the software was doing and learning the process and listening to the farmers and suppliers we were working with at the time. And when I started, we really had like a data point of one that had gone all the way through the Nori process. And so just kind of like walking through and identifying like, what does it take to get from like, hey, I'm interested in like enlisting my land, which has adopted these regenerative practices to the point of like getting paid for, for these adoption via carbon offsets or carbon removal tons or which represent, you know, tons of carbon removed. And so like after like all the listening and like then finding my voice, like, oh, I, I can speak to this a little bit and speak to the farmers. Uh, it's really evolved into this like lovely, frustrating, wonderful, crazy translation of talking with new people and understanding like, okay, you're going to go through Nori via a data spec, which is where the software really comes in. Or we're going to enlist your land in Nori just like piece by piece. And that's that looks a lot like being in a spreadsheet and entering in farmer's data and making sure we have accurate records in order to get them accurate estimates. And so taking all that experience, like working with all the like the men and women of the supply side and then being able to like go to the design meetings with our software team or like working with the guys on product to to really just be like hey this is the experience and this is a big sticking point or like this isn't that big of a deal and kind of just like being the voice of the farmers to the design process which i think is something about nori that i really really value is that they do put the farmer first and have a real ear to the ground of of the experience of the farmer and putting that as like a major design, I don't know, guiding factor, I would say. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, I'm not sure why I started it off nearly so circumspect. When I think about some of these design choices, and you can let me know if this is the wrong way to think about it, the two biggest schools of thought I think of are if you build it, they will come. And there's something that works about that sometimes. Granted, you shouldn't take advice from ghosts for building a company, but sometimes yeah. it works if you like build a dreams. <laughs> I think, yeah, what a line that was. Sorry, Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, we love baseball here too. Yeah. Um, so like Steve Jobs has some line about how no one knew that they wanted an iPhone until I built one. Mm-hmm. And that's true. That guy just had vision and took a big risk like that and made it happen. And if he had just done like customer discovery and the sort of data-driven validation process, you know, no one would have ever said that they wanted such a thing because they didn't even know about it or it could have been a possibility. Uh, and then on the other side, you absolutely are listening to your customers who know what they want or at least have ideas for making it better. And I think for a process like this, you almost certainly have to default to the latter, right? Like we don't want to be in a position of just being like, none of us are farmers for the most part, but we're going to like ram this down your throat. That's wrong, right? Yeah, true. (laughs) We don't want that. Definitely want to have some, well, I guess I am been in the field, but listening to the farmers to not be like, yes, this is exactly what you need. I've never done it, but like for sure, this is what you, this will help you. Huh. Weird. But I think that's why it's so great to be part of the pilot because we we're building something. It's not like we're doing like thinking about it and like gathering all this information. We're building it. And then like as we are going through it with the farmers specifically, like using their feedback is huge. And so it's helpful because I mean it's pros and cons, right? Like we're getting something off the ground. It's it's going, we're building it as they're flying, as everybody says. But 
that brings a lot of frustrations too, right? You're like, okay, we haven't figured this out. We need your help. And like, oh, this step is really difficult. Oh, this is hard. Oh, well, but we're still moving forward. And I, I think like that's the point where the feedback is really helpful because it's not intangible. It's very tangible. I would love a specific example. Do you happen to have one handy of where this happened? Of frustrations? <laughs> I'm sure you sure you have that. And right, do I have examples? Uh, um, more in the sense of of us learning from something a user, uh, specifically on the supply side as a farmer, has told us, and we said, "Oh, that's a great innovation. We should incorporate that." So we have this tool called Smart Defaults, which is helping farmers like film historic data, and it's kind of like around the idea like. We hardly had internet in 2002, let alone like this great farm software, online records of field management. Mm. So what we do is use like satellite imagery to help and get those fields. And as they're going through, like farmers know their land pretty well, you know, if they've been farming it for a while and they can go through the satellite imagery and be like, actually, I know that I had corn there, not like pasture land. And so being able to like, they say it'd be like very helpful if I could just change that. It's like, oh yeah, of course. I mean, it's like logical, but also good to hear it from the user experience and just how farmers are thinking through, you know, the records and their data. It's different than just like year by year or field by field. It's like a very holistic approach of like, oh, I, I do this to my corn pretty much every year. I put on 200 pounds of N um, or nitrogen. And so like building the platform to kind of reflect that of, of the cadences that are rhythmic, I guess, or repeatable has been an asset to like have that input to build the, the process. Hmm. And I'm trying to put myself in the position of someone for whom this information might be a bit newer. And I'm wondering if we should explain what the process looked like. I know we're still working towards what we hope it will become, but what was the sort of process for farmers enrolling in Nori's marketplace when we were getting going and when you started, what did it look like? It looked like a giant Google spreadsheet. (laughs) 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 Just like this overwhelming Google spreadsheet in front of you. You're like, okay, there's, you know, 30 columns by 30 years that I need to fill out everything exactly as is. And that is, I mean, when I first opened this spreadsheet, I was like, good heavens on high, this is work. Like just sell by sell. So being able to like reflect, it's we're always trying to strike the balance of like what the farmer's experience is, what is the right science behind it, like where where are the accurate places we need to have like the right amount of nitrogen, the right the right planting date, and then where when verifiers look at it, like what are they looking for? So we want to strike the balance like good science, good experience, good verification results, and so we've been able to find the holes. Like from now this like I was saying, the smart defaults tool to look at historical land management records has been built, I think, since I've come. I know the product team has been working on it for a while, but integrating that into into our product has been a huge time save for our farmers. They're not just looking at a massive spreadsheet with no help. We're giving them tools to help with the process. Wow. So is it safe to say that this development process involves sorting out where there's possibilities for increased automation and user experience. And I recognize those two things are are linked in some important ways. Is that what we're trying to do? Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. We're trying to help with the automation and increase user experience, but also making sure the science behind it isn't flippant or us like filled with assumptions that it's reflective of what the, the farm is. Yeah. There's a version where you could say, we want it to be easier on farmers. Therefore we're going to drop 29 of these 30 columns and just see what happens. And that would be terrible, right? Like you yeah. don't know. <laughs> like is like that, is everybody at all. Come on in. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, like with farming, it, it takes work, right? It takes a lot of, I mean, like you plant the seed, you wait for it to grow, it grows, then you harvest it. With like Nori, we're not just like, press a button, get paid. There's just, there's work to be done. And we want it to be, I mean, optimized work, right? Effective work, but also it'll take a, a bit of time. By a bit of time, I mean like a few months to get from beginning to end. Mm. And my understanding also is that us working with groups like Granular, which is uh, a data platform that farmers can use, that we've been in this process of creating a link between these various software platforms so that farmers aren't entering in data multiple times. This data is portable and also still owned by the farmer, and they're not losing their ownership of that data. And trying to make those systems work together, which is sometimes more difficult than it sounds too, because data is often, data are often in different configurations. I'm not a software guy, so feel free, explain it to me like I'm uh, a child, although a child probably knows more about this than I do now, given <laughs> what they learn in school. So explain well, it to me like I'm a zygote. Okay, great. You know nothing, not even words. But anyways, with the, like, well, first of all, data, like, Nori doesn't own farmers' data ever. It's just we use it to generate NRTs, but it's never something that's like our asset. It's always the asset of the farmer. But like working with granular, it's it's kind of trying to hit two birds with one stone, right? So granular, we're wonderful slash like other you know data spec data platforms that we're working with. Farmers already have their data in their platform, so how great would it be if they've already done the work of entering you know their harvest dates and their yields? if that could just easily sync up to our platform. And that's what our product team is like doing wonderful work on to try to make that a seamless process. Lots of learning, of course, in, in the meantime, but like if it's stored in one software platform, can we easily just translate to ours so that we're not doubling up on our work? Yeah, and there's there's so many apps like this. Is it, can you call them, by the way, agronomy apps or, or what do they call these, farm management tools? management tools, yeah, I think. That works, yeah. Platforms, yeah. Software packages, <laughs> a billion words. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. So Nori's been, you know, we, we're we friendly with a number of them and, and uh, are always trying to figure out what makes sense for us to integrate with. But I think if you're not a software person, and I probably wouldn't have known this had I not worked at Nori, is that can be remarkably difficult to make various apps integrate and talk to one another in a way that is intelligible. Is that correct? Is it as hard as I imagine? To a point, yes. It's kind of like you figure out, the, like we're using Granular right now to figure out the process. And so just like the first rodeo of anything that has a lot of kinks and stuff to work out. But then we're using that process and like open source to just have other platforms meet with it. So it does take work the first time around more work as we just figure out what it looks like for granular as a proxy for all of our other software platforms we'll work with to easily integrate. Mm, okay. It's hard at first, easier at second, 
moves on from there. But it does take, again, a bit of work. Sure. That makes sense. Well, where are we at right now in terms of enrolling farmers and the development of the software? So where we're at right now is we have like robust tools that have great structure and they are just like needing time to to figure out the holes as well as time to just like get people through it. So it's really great because we have a lot of people who want to be running pretty quickly through our app, but we just like don't have the personnel to teach people how to use it and then guide it, guide them through it. And with our product team, like we're not faced with this empty spreadsheet anymore. So like the process of data entry is, is a bit more streamlined. There's still a lot of room for growth and creative input into the process, but we're really, we've come a long way since March when I started to like streamlining the process, but also getting it to the point where we can filter through our suppliers who want to, to run their farms through quicker. And that takes people on our team, which is great. I'm so looking forward to building that out to help guide the farmers and just like working with, I've said farmers at least a billion times, but working with the farmers and suppliers and like learning their operations and getting their data into the platform, um, as well as like working with our other data platforms who are representative of many growers, right? So if we can teach, like if I teach somebody how to fish, they can teach other people how to fish. And so we're at like a, a point of, we could be scaling quite quickly, quite soon, which is quite exciting. <laughs> it sure would. Yeah. That's great. Sounds like a lot of this early learning is maybe even nearing its conclusion and will be optimizing and not just focusing on making sure it works, but improving the way it works, moving faster, more reliably. I think we're all pretty spoiled at this point too with e-commerce. I want things to be seamless. I was compl- my Wi-Fi was cutting out the other day. I was trying to watch a, a show, and uh, uh, I was so crappy about it. I was so mean. I was like, I expect this to work perfectly every time. I remember as a kid though, with fifty six k, and it just like nothing would like not even images would load. I'm so spoiled now, but we're spoiled. So like that's the point, right? Yeah, I have a spreadsheet that doesn't load, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> What is happening? I'm like, oh, well, whatever. Patience is a virtue, I guess. Yeah, yeesh. Um, <laughs> so is, is that right, though? That's that's sort of where Nori's at on uh, yeah. some of that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of learnings ahead. We're not closing chapters on our learnings by any means, but I think we're closing a chapter on this particular section to really get to a point that works much better than it did before. Are there other cool tools that farmers are using that, do things similar to Nori? Like are there apps that track a farm's biodiversity or water usage in novel ways? Yes. I can't think of any specifically, which is probably bad of me, but I mean, there's a million, like farming apps can track so much. So yes, with the hesitation that which one specifically, I cannot think of right now. (laughs) How about farmers only? Yeah, that is, you know, the original dating site right there. (laughs) You can track at least something there. That's like one of the few contributions I have to that side of the business is I'm like, when the time comes, we must advertise on farmers only. We must advertise on farmers only. 
what I love about regenerative agriculture, it's like not just like, oh my gosh, the innovation is crazy. It's just the traditional work that used to be done as like a practice, like the old school ways of having biodiversity in our farms and paying attention to, you know, soil health. And, and it wasn't even like under the cool, fun words, like what's your soil health? It's just like, you're paying attention to the good stewardship of your land. And a lot of those practices are, are traditional. And I love that we're revisiting that in a way that is also bringing innovation that will actually help it be applied to broader scales. Yeah, it's a really funny horseshoe. And maybe what we call conventional agriculture is more the aberration than the long-term trend it was made out to be, where you do have these traditional, diverse, polyculture, multiple income streams. It looks like old McDonald's farm. Yeah. And now the the tech, the tech isn't the problem. In some cases, the tech is, you know, bending that horseshoe around so it meets those traditional ways and is making it more profitable or easier to do that inside of a 21st century economy. Maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Bringing inspiration to it too, I guess. Like I love it if people have technology that it's like exciting, right. To help reverse climate change, one might say, or technology to, to really capture the fact that these are really complex ways and we can, you can contribute to how we're capturing carbon. You can do that, but you're, you're getting back to the land in a way that's traditional. And it's just this like lovely balance of new and old, but I do love just like getting back to the land as a thing that is like the resi- is resilient and will always win. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a nice sentiment. Well, for moving forward and these two supply account managers that Nori wants to hire, what can you tell our listeners about the kind of people we might like to meet and want to see apply? Oh, yeah, that's... Wait, one step even before that, what, what, what are these roles and what would they be doing? Maybe that's the same question. So a day in the life of a supply account manager, it's just like the, the basis is just like having a genuine care for agriculture in a way of like how do we make it more sustainable and how do we increase the stewardship of our land through the agronomic practices that's like kind of the tone we're looking for in people who care about you know soil and and ag but the the day-to-day really just looks like you know talking to the farmers and helping them get their data and helping them come up with like organized plans to get the data because sometimes it's stored in a shoebox sometimes it's you know on hard software just it takes a lot to like aggregate you know old records and then helping put the records in and them as like farmers as well as helping other like channel partners people who like data managers who work with a lot of farmers so it's like teaching one person to help others uh the other side of that is just like the creativity of taking those processes and, and applying them to what our products looking like finding holes like in our methodology like is this something we've missed should we do this later just always having this like tuned eye to a blend of science a blend of management and a blend of agriculture that sounds good and where do you think we as Nori will be developing in the next, I don't even know, six months, year. What are you expecting for if someone were to join the team? What kinds of uh, changes might they see on the supply side of the software? I really want to get to the point where we have a good oiled machine on croplands methodology. Like we have something that works that is scalable and like we, it's like in a good spot. So, like in this next six months, I just want to get that well oiled. 
Um, but we off of that, there's like so many other ways that agriculture is sequestering carbon, whether that's with like ranch management, like grazelands expanding beyond the US. Right now we're only working with US farmers. And so taking it to scale with like different channel partners that brings a lot of creativity to other ways that we're sequestering carbon via the whole slew of agriculture, not just croplands. Cool. Well, if that sounds like you, something that you're interested in, I know people out there listening want to join the Nori team because you email us from time to time and this is you. Or if you know someone for whom this job is a good fit, please let them know. The links are in the show notes to everything that we talked about, the apps to apply. Well, thanks for coming on and chatting with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, I was quite looking forward to this. So I'm glad I could we get it on the books. Me too. I'm, I'm excited as well. And uh, thanks for listening. If you like what we're doing here, if I could ask you for a small favor, if you're on an iPhone, if you would please open up your podcast app and write us a review and give us five stars. If you sincerely in your heart think that we deserve it, I wouldn't ask it of you if you actually don't think that. But it only takes a couple minutes, maybe even 30 seconds, and helps us get this content out to more people. That's what I would ask. No worries in any case. And thank you so much for listening. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and or Stitcher. It really helps us a lot to get this content to a wider audience. If you think what we're doing is useful, interesting, fun, hopefully all three, we'd certainly appreciate your rating and review. You can keep up with Nori at Nori.com, where there is a newsletter. That's Nori.com slash subscribe. There's podcast. There's a whole bunch else. Or you can send us an email at podcast at Nori.com. We are also now on Patreon at patreon.com slash Nori podcasts if you'd like more content, engagement, and community. And thank you so much for your support.